Hallelujah. I would be remiss to tell you that if you do not have the Holy Ghost, you can get the Holy Ghost today. You can get God's Spirit inside of you. Amen. Just like they did in the Bible. Amen. Just like the Bible says. You remember, uh, if you're old enough, remember that I'm a one God apostolic tongue talker, holy roller, born again, heaven bound believer. You remember that in the liberated power of Jesus' name? Just like the Bible says. Amen. Just like the Bible says. I am so appreciate that. I serve a God. Amen. That his ways, his desires, his promises, his goodness, his encouragement lines up to what I read in the Bible. Amen. You ever read uh, the wrong instruction manual? Somehow it does. If you never use instruction manuals, you, you didn't. You just go on your own. That's fine, too. But you pick up something, and it's like, nope. Or they sent it in a wrong, a different language, French, right? You don't know that. I mean, I'm glad God's word lines up with his spirit. Amen. I'm glad his spirit lines up with his word. And what we want to try to do is line up our spirit with God's spirit. Amen. There's an old song. Um, boy, it just, it just, I had it and then it's gone. <laughs> Lord, lift my spirit to your spirit in sweet communion. Amen. And that's what I want in my life. We're going to go to the Bible, our Bible today, and we're going to look uh, at Psalm 23. Everybody say Psalm 23. Shout amen when you get there. And those of you who are relying on the screen, you can shout it now. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. Everybody say, anointeth my head. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy. Come on, everybody with me. Shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Can we praise him right now for his word? Lord, I thank you, God, for being my shepherd today. I thank you, Jesus. You are awesome, God. Thank you, mighty Jesus. You may be seated today. Tonight we're going to spend a few moments, uh, words on uh, our shepherd I was telling Sister Allie, I thought of it too late last night. Uh, I was going to call it Area 23. Kind of like Area 51. Anybody get that? No? Okay. Next week we might hear about that, though. And our shepherd, Area 23. A shepherd. Have you ever thought about what a shepherd was or did uh, back in the day? Um, in some uh, remote parts of the earth, if actually not even that remote, I think Australia has, and out in the Midwest, uh, have a big uh, uh, 
herding community, if you will, whether shepherds or something else. But a shepherd in biblical times, have you ever imagined, imagine uh, getting woken up uh, early in the morning by your sheep stirring and, and there's commotion. And you look up and over by the bushes you see a couple of your sheep just kind of acting a little bit strange and erratic. And you and so you're thinking, oh, my goodness, there's a predator, something there. So you, you get up, you grab your staff, you make sure you have your sling, you check the pockets of your, of your uh, robe and make sure that you have at least four or five uh, rocks that you might be able to throw at this predator just in case. Never mind that you slept on a rock last night. Your sheep need you. Never mind the scars on your body from previous predators or maybe some stubborn rams that didn't want to do what they, were, they needed to do. Never mind those scars and, and, and wounds. Your sheep need you at this moment. And then you see it and you go, it's just a big snake. No problem. And you scare the snake back in its hole and it, you go on. And man, it could have been a lot worse. Every day a shepherd comes to the field knowing he might be risking his life. But the sheep are worth it. Why? Why does he spend most of the day going after that one lost sheep? You see, he loves what he does, and he loves his sheep. Amen? So we can see God's love in action as well. Have you ever heard the saying, actions speak louder than words? This is so true with the shepherds of old. You could see how much he loved his sheep by seeing how much he did when he cared for them. He didn't just tell them, not that they would understand, but his actions showed how much he cared and loved for his sheep. And of course, you know where I'm going with this. I'm going to Jesus, our shepherd. Jesus does not promise care and protection without showing his love in action. I think one of the, uh, the, the hardest, this isn't in my notes, but, but one of the hardest things to comprehend is God's love if you're not in the church. I witness and I tell people it's like a love letter from my wife to me. When I was in the Persian Gulf, she wrote letters. Every day she wrote something and sent it off a couple times a week or once a week or whatever, and we got these love letters. And, and in the love letters, there's certain phrases and things that she said to me that I would, only, I would be the only one to understood, understand. And so when, when I hear people slam the Bible and talk about God, and his, it's because you don't love him. You can't understand him. You don't know. And, and, and one of the things is that we know that God, God will never promise us blessings and understanding and encouragement without showing his love in action. And what the world is missing is God's action, his love in our lives. Amen? One time Jesus saw the multitude and he had compassion saying they were weary and scattered uh, like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus refused to be passive. He showed his love by a real, in real tangible ways. It's so many examples, we, and we don't have time to go over. There, in fact, there's not enough uh, libraries in the world to hold what he has done. But of all the healings he did, and he rose, uh, raised people from the dead. He comforted the lonely. He comforted the outcast. But most impressive of all, 
He died, he was buried, and he rose again. Something that no one else can has repeated, nobody else can duplicate. You may ask, why? I can only say this, because he loves us. He loves us. Sounds simple, but so many people, as I mentioned before, can't understand it. Why would he love me? Who am I in the Almighty's eyes? I will tell you who you are, and I have said this probably several times. You are worth it because he died for you. Some people say, come up, and I'm not worth No, he died for you as you were. If you weren't worth it or worthy, he wouldn't have done it. He, he knew exactly the gutter and the, and the smut and the filth that you came from. And we all did, whether we were raised in the church or not. We all had to come to that place where God had to take us out of our sin. And he did that because he loves us and we are worthy in his eyes. We do stupid things, we're dumb, and he's not very happy with us, but he still loves us. And he said, I died for you. Amen. As a witness, we need to convince this world of this truth as well. You are worthy. We love you. God loves you. You you can have this. You can have a relationship with Jesus. We need to bring this to all. Do you know that everything that the ministers, everything that you hear at a ladies' uh, retreat, everything that might be preached or talked about at prayer nights that we have, you bring that to the world. You're a witness of that. It can't be contained in here. We have to get it out of the church building. So we have to. You are our minister, and we can take this. It is not, it, everything that he does for us, we need to tell the world. And some of us, some of us, I'm pointing at Andy. Some of us will get a bullhorn on a corner, right? And just, hey, I do. Some of us will just get in our cubicle at work and say, hey, I, I kind of overheard you on the phone or you're going through some tough times. I'm for you. Jesus can take care of you. He can help you. So, so we do it no matter what. There's not a right or wrong there. It, we, we do that. We need to just do it. We need to bring it out to the world and be a witness so everybody can have a shepherd like us. And I need to hurry a little bit. Not only do we see countless ways Jesus demonstrated that he loved us, but we know because we are walking in that light that he is still showing us how he loves us today. Taking God at his word is easy, but sometimes comparing himself to a, she a shepherd, he was promising to provide and protect and uh, his followers like a shepherd, but yet better. Psalm 23 uh, shows us many aspects of a good shepherd. And, of course, we can see in the Bible how David, he was a shepherd himself, right? He provided for, he, he killed the lion, he killed the bear. He provided for his sheep. And then one day, David got this revelation. I'm a sheep, and God is my shepherd. And it encouraged and it moved him so much that he wrote the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. David faced difficult times in his life. Some were not his fault, and others were caused directly by his sin. But time and time again, God would be the shepherd in David's life. Aren't you glad God doesn't give up on us? Aren't you so glad? Amen. That encourages me. That encourages me when I have family 
and lost loved ones and friends that are lost that God is not giving up. And he wants us to continue to pray for the, them. The Lord is my shepherd. He takes care of all I needs. Uh, one of the uh, phrases in here, um, and I'm going to kind of go through Psalm 23, I shall not want. This is future tense, meaning David knew that God was his provider then, and God will continue to be his provider in the future. God will provide for us. He realizes we don't only have physical needs, but we also have emotional, spiritual, psychological needs. He provides for us for all of our needs better than anyone else could. He also restores us. He restoreth my soul, it says, to bring back, to restore. Aren't you glad those of us that maybe have wandered out of the church and came back, that God restored us, that God looked after. He continued to love, and somebody continued to pray for us, and he restored us. You see, the sheep didn't always obey the shepherd, as I mentioned earlier. Sometimes they got kind of violent and aggressive, and they didn't understand where they're going, and they might butt heads with, with the shepherd or knock him over a couple times. They would get lost or, or stuck in bushes, eat the wrong foods and get sick, or maybe even attacked by predators. Then the shepherd would do everything possible to find them and hopefully restore them back to the flock. Our heavenly shepherd is perfect. We are not. We don't always listen to his voice, right? Amen. And we get lost sometimes. Sometimes we're stubborn because we think we know what's best. But our merciful shepherd continues to call out to us with open arms. He desires us to return. It doesn't matter for how long we've been out, but he's still waiting and loving. He leads, he leads us. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. There are many times we do not know the perfect way. Amen. You ever come across a big decision in your life and, or something? You just don't know what you're going to do. A job change, a, a move, a city change. Amen. A, a, a family decision that you must make. Sometimes we don't know the perfect way. Proverbs tells us, though, that there is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are always of death. And what that's saying is our ways are not perfect. Our ways can lead to destruction, but God's never leads that way. A path may look right to us, but we can't see all the way down the road. And sometimes we don't see that there, it's going to be a horrible accident. Something tragic, a wrong mistake, a loss Financially, emotionally, physically. So what do we do? Proverbs also says, in all thy ways, acknowledge him. And he will what? Direct thy path. That's the solution. We need to let God shepherd. We need to let God take care of us. We need to let God show us the way, the path. He needs to light that direction for us. God, what do you want me to do in this situation? Well, he wants you to make sure that he is in the middle of it. He is right there. He is there. He does know best for the direction in our lives. He protects us. Sometimes we are going to walk through the valley of the shadow 
of death. Some of the translations that you can read and look up, it, it translates that into the darkest valley. The darkest valley. And when we do go through this, it seems like all the forces of evil are closing in on, in on us. And we might be tempted to, tempted to go astray or feel overwhelmed with life and give in to despair. And you see when that happens, let, let me give you a little bit of insight and let me, uh, into a backslider or into uh, somebody that's distraught, that somebody doesn't know the way, or somebody that can't, take, uh, can't handle when something bad and when they're walking through the valley, they blame God. I guess that's the easiest way to say it. They blame God. They blame those who are associated with God. They blame your parents. They blame your kids. They blame your cousins. They blame everyone. They blame that, and they, they're making excuses when in reality it's their lives that need to be corrected and fixed and because they veered off that path and they fall in and roll down into the valley. And I'm not saying when you're in your valley, you're backslid. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying I was talking specifically about people that have turned their backs on God and walked the other way because I hear it all the time. I have recently been in a conversation with, with a family member, and he put out this blanket statement about Christians. I say, you, you, do, you cannot say that. You cannot put out a blanket statement. All Christians do this. All Christians do that, and it's a terrible thing. So they think all Christians do that. You can't say that. See, there's... There's a little bit of a wrench that gets thrown in to God's plans, God's church, and that wrench is called us. When we get in the way, we can just bind up the engines. We can just stop that ship from moving. So we don't want to give up. When we, when we get through, we want to seek God even more. We want to reach out. One of the hardest things in life to do is ask, Brother Richard, will you pray for me? I'm going through this hard time. It's hard because you're, what you're doing is you're showing your vulnerabilities, right? You're showing your, your, your part. I can't do that. But, man, if you have a brother that you can confide in, and just this is, it's a, it, exactly, it's a good thing. It, it, you need to do that. I need your help. I need my family's going through. My sister's going through. My whatever it is, my brother. I, I need, it, and it's affecting me. And I don't want to get where. So if you have to get up and pray with me, call me, text me, whatever you want to do. I'm so proud, brother Richard, of you. I'm not proud, but I am encouraged and proud that you mentioned. Let's pray for every guy in the church. Man, I wrote that day. I wrote everybody's name down that was in the building, and then some. And I just been sent every morning. I've been sending somebody a text. Have a great day. Love you, or have a great day praying for you, or, or you know, just have a great day. That's it. And, and I just, I, I, I want, not, not that I, I need that, but I, I want to make sure I stay on track. And I pray for a, a, a person every day, one of the men in the church, among others. I so appreciate that, and we need to continue to do that. But then David went on to say, I will fear no evil. How encouraging is that? When you're up against the wall and when you're facing a danger, you can look the danger right in their eyes and say, I will fear no evil. 
Come on, we need that encouragement, that boldness, that strength. That's the Holy Ghost. That's the power. And that if you allow, because if you the flesh, you're going to be just smashed down. But if you can get the Holy Ghost and say, I will fear no evil. Man, there's nothing. Nothing can stand up to that. No evil. And when, uh, the psalm went on to say he will provide for us. Did you know that from a prison cell, Paul wrote, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Jesus. Paul knew that even if he did not have everything he wanted, he would always have everything he needed. We start to see this when we give our needs and desires over to God's point of view. It's about trust. As we grow in Christ and our relationship gets stronger, we get more confident in God to provide for us, right? We know, you know, you have that old saint of God, the motherly saint of God coming up. Everything's going to be okay because she's walked through the valley. Because they've been through the bushes and the thorns and the thickets. They've been there and God's taken them out. God has touched their lives. And that's how confidently she can say, I've been here. God's going to take care of you because I'm with you. I'm praying for you. that's how, after so many years, God could sit in a, uh, God, but Paul could sit in a cold cell and cry out to God and know that God would deliver. That's also why da David knew that God would supply a table of provisions, even in the presence of his enemies. God's going to provide. I'm right here in the middle of hell, but God's going to provide a table of food and nourishment. And blessings, no matter where I'm going through, God is there to supply. He anoints us with, uh, anoints us and favors us. David said, he anointed my head with oil. You see, shepherds would, and they still do, believe it or not, anoint their sheep's head with oil. And they do this for many reasons. There's some prevent their heads from getting stuck in bushes and tight places and fences and, and uh, thickets and stuff. They prevent infections if they're scraped. They can pour the oil on it. They protect them even from bugs. They even put oil on ram's horns to lessen the impact of them butting heads with another one. Try to slide off that. The best way to do that, though, is just separate the ram. See, I Googled. This was just another way the shepherd would care and love his flock care for and love. We know that throughout the Bible, anointing somebody was a symbolic demonstration of God's favor on them and his blessing on them. Or when they were appointed a task, they were anointed to establish their position. Almost without exception, the anointed one, think about this, this is cool. Almost without exception, the anointed one would have experiences beyond their imagination. Amen. What a privilege. Think about David. God took a shepherd boy and placed him in a king's palace. No wonder David marveled and said, my cup runneth over. So we can also trust our shepherd to take care of us. Later in the book of Psalm, a much, a much older king, David, took, uh, told of the many years of blessings, protections, and provisions, mercy, and grace. In Psalm 37, 25, he says, I've been young and now I am old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed, excuse me, his seed 
begging bread. He is merciful and lendeth, and his seed is blessed. Amen. David understood how much his heavenly shepherd had cared for him. David is among countless others throughout history that could say the same thing. They have testified of God's goodness and loving kindness. Not only does this instill in us encouragement from their blessings, but it gives us encouragement and the strength and the wisdom and the boldness to go out and be a witness and let other one, others know of not only their blessings, but of our blessings too. His blessings follow us continually. Isn't that great? Goodness and mercy. This is the great part of this. I love this. It's just real short, but it's great. We have God as our shepherd, and we enjoy the benefits that come with that, including but not limited to God's goodness. James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights. How many likes opening Christmas presents? How many likes getting a present? God is giving us a gift all the time, every day. That's what's cool and exciting. God is our shepherd. We reap the benefits of his blessings. It is exciting. Living for God is cool and fun and exciting. Yeah, we walk through the valley sometimes. We get depressed a little bit or down in the dumps a little bit. But God lifts us up because we are the benefactor of his many blessings. Amen. If God is present in our lives, so is his goodness. So is his mercy. It will be a that we should be thankful for. It translates to faithfulness and unfailing love. These are fitting words to remind us of God's caring and looking out for us despite our sinful nature. He also talks about following the Lord and enjoy his protection and provision. David ended Psalm 23 with a promise action of his own. He said this, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, we're not asking you to bring your beds here. To sit up your kitchenette. And, right, we're not, and David didn't, that was not David wasn't saying, I'm going to go bring my, my tent and put it in the tabernacle. He's not, he's not saying that at all. It, it did mean that he wanted to live and exist continually in God's presence. And this reminds me, what I was going over, this reminds me of a saying I've picked up over the years. Instead of asking God to bless me, God, let me be where you are blessing I want to be where you are blessing because I will be blessed right there. I, if Brother Andy, Brother Magamo, if you guys are up here and you're praying or wherever you are, you give a testimony that you are blessed, I'm blessed too. So I'm blessed. I want to be where he's blessing. doesn't mean I get the blessing, but I can be blessed, and then I would get the blessing because I'm blessed. Amen. It's so exciting what God can open, uh, open up to you. I will dwell. Home is where we sleep and eat. We feel the most comfortable and safe in our home. And this is what David was saying, that he feels so confident and secure in God's presence that he would dwell there. Do you feel that way? Do you feel that way your home, your church, your work? 
sometimes that work is kind of hard because we can't. We are not the shepherd, right? <laughs> we, we, can't, we can't really control what happens, but do you feel safe there? Our musicians can come on up if they would like to. I, I think they were getting ready to, so. There's no other place that David felt more secure. And this is how we should feel as well. Not only should we desire to dwell and to be where God is blessing, we should also realize that he wants to be with us in our homes, at our jobs, and everywhere in between. He desires to rejoice with us in moments of triumph and mourn with us in times of sorrow. When we need direction, he wants to provide guidance in our lives. When we struggle, he wants to provide strength. When we claim all of Psalm 23 and apply it to our lives, we know God is a good shepherd. When we see that, let's stand today. I want to bring you up, uh, I want to bring up an important difference between the metaphor of the physical shepherd and our heavenly shepherd. In the livestock industry, from tens of thousands of head of her, head herds to the flock of only a hundred, the sheep have no choice in the matter. They must do what the shepherd says. But God understands we are not real sheep. We are not dumb. We might do stupid things, but we are far from farm animals. I, I wanted to clear that up because I've been in messages where I felt like a stupid sheep afterwards. I don't want that to happen. We are not that way. God understands that. That's why he's given us free will, right? We have free will. Nobody can tell me. There was an old Dan Dean song, right? Nobody put a gun into my head. I'm a Christian. That's what I want. I'm a Christian because I want to be a Christian, because I want to follow him. He will not force us to stay with the herd. He will continually pursue us but never forcefully pressure us. He does not want our leaders and the saints trying to force others as well. He does not want that. Like God, we should call out to others to join the flock, the church. God is always ready with a loving embrace as we should be also. We all most likely know someone who's lost, a lost sheep wandering with no shepherd, no guidance or direction. When we see these people, let us be bold to testify of the blessings and protections we have found in Christ. Let us allow our anointing, come on, we are anointed. Let us allow our anointing and blessings to shine through us for the whole world to see. Let us use goodness and mercy, the goodness and mercy God has given us to bless others. And let us guide this hurting world to the shepherd who is faithfully guiding us. Why don't we worship him this morning? We love you, the Jesus. Lord is my Thank you, God. You are worthy, Jesus. He goes before me. Thank you. 